Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I am an exercise physiology and nutrition professor, and I am a competitive bodybuilder. Hello, folks. Robert Fortress Fortney here, former editor at MuscleMag International, former competitive bodybuilder, and current powerlifter. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a strength athlete in powerlifting at Highland Games. I'm the founder of LiftForHope.org and co-founder of StrengthGuild.com. All right, folks, today we have a very special guest. He was on the show once before, um, and he's definitely Iron Radio certified. Uh, he gets the highest marks here with us, <laughs> Mr. Bill Pearl. How are Hi, you Bill. guys doing? I'm in with some heavy competition this afternoon. That's obvious with you guys. No, no, no. We'll always be under your umbrella of might. That's right. We appreciate that. Thank you. All of us do. <laughs> Those interview or those uh, introductions, rather, I've had a couple of people say, "Oh, you guys always say, you know, who you are, what you're about." But I think we start that way because we there's so many poor quality podcasts out there. We just don't want people to think that we're just, you know, excited nineteen year olds or something. Right. So right. You try to have a little bit of credibility. Now, I guess. before we get into that, though, with credentials such as you have, it's silly not to let people know who they're listening to. All kidding aside, I think it's very important that you do this. Absolutely. Agreed. Now, before we get before we get going, though, with Bill, um, I think we have a couple news pieces that we should get out of the way. Correct? Uh, well, I have one here just quickly. Uh, I, and I was last week I was talking about um, soda pop and, and and cola and drinks like that and Pepsi and whatnot. If you remember, and I when I was doing that, I I came across this other one. I thought it would I would just share it with listeners. This is um, from Science News. Uh, from Science Daily, which is a really good website, I suggest people go check it out. It's it's uh, it's kind of broad spectrum science news, but this is from February eighteenth. It says among the many differences between girls and boys, we can now add the effects of caffeine, both physiological, behavioral, and subjective, to the list. So this is sort of interesting. Our findings from this study and from a previous study suggest that boys and girls respond differently to caffeine. We're hoping that our findings. Uh, the findings from our studies on caffeine will help us determine why males and females differ in susceptibility to things like drug abuse or addiction uh, or why they uh, respond differently to treatment. This particular study here is a double-blind, placebo-controlled study. It was a um, dose-response kind of study, you know, escalating doses uh, to caffeine here. It was conducted by Jennifer Temple uh, and colleagues, who's a neurobiologist uh, and assistant professor of exercise and nutrition science at University of Buffalo. So someone that's um, teaching in a department similar to what I do. Um, the study involved 26 boys and 26 girls between the ages of 12 and 17. Um, to take part in the research, the teenagers were required to have previous experience with caffeine, but no adverse reactions, etc. And down here at the bottom here, uh, let's see. After researchers took baseline heart rate and blood pressure, the participants drank a beverage containing 50, then 100, then 200 milligrams of caffeine, uh, or one with no caffeine. Uh, I, and, and this is just um, 
basically explains that boys respond uh, differently from girls. It's the first study to demonstrate gender differences uh, in the response to caffeine. Uh, it's basically, here's what it just says. Um, boys get a greater rush and more energy from caffeine than do girls. Boys also report that they felt caffeine had a more positive effect on their athletic performance, whereas girls did not report this. So I'm not going to go on with tons of news today, but since we were talking about cola and caffeine and those sorts of things, I just thought I would I would add that to the list. Well, but well, sir, we have local news too, right? Because Yeah, but I, I want to just add one thing there. Um, of course, I'm coming from Canada. You guys are all from the States. Um, I don't know if it's the same down there, but in the last several weeks, there's been a lot of um, television news and so forth about the effects of all these uh, you know, caffeine energy drinks that are being sold in variety stores and such. Um, and, of course, they're talking about the sugar content and the caffeine content and how it's, how it's becoming much more kind of... Uh, um, pertinent for people to kind of look at the effects of that on young people because, of course, the majority of those drinks are, are you know, bought and drank by young people. So, um, right. so yeah, I think... And, of course, they're containing amino acids and a bunch of herbs and other things. In fact, you know what? Between the specialty coffees... I mean, coffee and tea are already the most drank beverages in the world, but between specialty coffees and now the, the specialty energy drinks... Um, one of my classes last fall, the textbook was actually saying we were teaching this, all the health professors were, that um, college students nowadays actually sleep 90 minutes less on average than a generation ago. And I can see the links there. You know, I mean, coffee and all all these extra special kinds of coffees and these energy drinks and everything. Um, it's not like people are having a cup of black coffee, Rob, like you or I would before we went and squatted or something. You know, people are – they've always got one in their hands, and I'm not surprised people sleep less. They probably can't sleep. Yeah. So, And we have and, one more piece of news. I think uh, it's going to become courtesy of Phil. I think there might be some comedy attached to this. But anyway, <laughs> let, let's, let's hear Let's hear it, Phil. Um, I got lunk alarmed on, on Monday. Um, I came into a gym here, and – I took time. I know all the gyms because I grew up here. Recently, I moved. I moved last week, got here, and this was going to be my first time going to a gym. So this is a non-commercial gym, and it was like the hardcore, hardcore-ish gym of the town. And so I went in, and I paid my day fee and began to lift. I successfully made it through, what was it, four warm-up reps um, of various loads before I got approached and said, you can no longer lift here because that's too much noise. Are you deadlifting? <laughs> you deadlifting? <clears throat> yeah, I made it to my fourth warm-up, and uh, I got to 495, and just the wow. act of setting the bar down, uh, they they would not allow that in the gym. So you weren't yelling or anything? This is just the, clanging just plates? Just the bar hitting the floor. Yeah, they were like, either you can wow. either you can stop that or you can learn how to set it down with no noise. Just so Bill knows, just so Bill knows, um, Phil is um, an otherworldly deadlifter, and he's uh, approaching 800 pounds. So that is fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. Phil doesn't gently set down 800 pounds. Well, that's, that's <laughs> I don't I think to... anybody sets down 800 pounds gently. Period. Yeah, that's believe. what I tried to explain to them. Was well, you know, I was at 500. I was like, I am setting it down gently. It's not like I'm throwing it down. It's just it makes noise out of the nature of it being 500 pounds. Did you just look at them and say, "But I'm Phil"? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It was, it was, it was interesting. So, but that's no, a stat. That, 
That's a sad commentary, though, because I've, I, I don't know if this is true, and maybe somebody, our, one of our listeners, can email me and tell me if this is in fact true, but I've even heard that Venice Golds um, lately has instituted a no-deadlift policy. I don't know if that's true or not, but if it is, that's, uh, that's horrible. That's especially a gold gym. When well, exactly. when, if you look at the logo and everything else, is is hardcore to the bitter end. And if there's uh, not an exercise out there that isn't more standard than a deadlift or, or a squat, that's what we do all day uh, long from beginning to end. So it's silly to do that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, let's. Um, all right, Phil. Well, are they going to let you back there? Or I don't. No, no. I, all it's going to do is rush me to. I was looking for somewhere to go for a week or two while I took the time to set up my equipment in my garage. Right. And it's just going to force me to do that quicker. So. Yeah, they, they just can't handle the uh, the might of the Filmeister. I guess, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean. <laughs> well, it does tie in with the topic of the day about how people perceive us. You know, obviously those gym managers weren't really, um, what's the word I'm looking for, compassionate toward Phil's uh, goals. Yeah, so, Phil, yeah. you. Phil, you could always just tell the manager that you know personally, Bill Pearl. Yeah, there you go. You know, and there I, you go. I, I, that might help. I, think I that hate to remove but that guy that won't buy a cup of the coffee you're talking about. So <laughs> you got to be very careful. Yeah. Well, I mean, the funny thing about it, too, was, I mean, it was me and my wife there, and so everybody's staring at me while I did it, and then I stopped lifting. She kept squatting, so everybody started staring at her, and then we just had the whole gym approaching us. Wow, you guys are awesome. I can't believe you know, my wife's over there squatting 200 pounds, and and they're just amazed. The clientele is amazed, and the owner's like, you can't do that. You know, that's just, eh. Jeez. A little bit of inspiration, and they snuff it out immediately. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. well. Well. so Bill, let's get let's get to the Bill here, since we've got this living legend here with us. Um, how old are you now, Bill? I'm 80 years old, you guys. You know, and, and I know we always ask that, and you're probably tired of everybody asking you that now. But I, I think well, they I, didn't ask me until I turned eighty. That was the problem. Okay, so, well, yeah. but you know, <laughs> far from me asking because I'm I'm just trying to point that you know that you're an older guy. I'm actually doing it just to highlight just how impressive you are because I mean, unless anything's you know changed from the last time we spoke, um, I'm assuming you're still getting up at four o'clock in the morning and going to your barn and lifting weights. Yes, I'm doing just exactly what you guys are doing, and I continue to. I'll do this until they put the lid on the caskets, yes. <laughs> All right. You know, and this is this is one of the wonderful things about you is just that you're, like, you know, to use a phrase that you used there a few minutes ago, you're, you're hardcore to the bitter end. And, yes. I mean, that, and that is just an absolute wonderful thing that just garners all sorts of respect from us here at Iron Radio. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's very nice of you. This weekend is actually the Arnold Classic. Are you going to it? No. Um, I am not going back. It's just... Uh, I have no reason to go back just to go to the show by the cell phone and, and see the competitive bodybuilders. I don't know any of the guys, and uh, which is rather sad. I had the last Olympia contest that I did not go to as well. Mm-hmm. I Larry Scott called me. Who, you, I'm sure you all know who Larry Scott is. Oh, yes. And I asked Larry, I said, uh, did Jay Cutler should have you won the contest? And, and, of course, Larry Scott said, yes, Billy should have won the contest. I said, Larry, let me ask you, do you know the name of any other contestant on the stage that day other than Jay Cutler? Hmm. His answer was no. So when the sport has gotten to the point where you only know maybe the guy who's going to win the contest, period, and everybody else is just there, why bother with it, period? 
Now, is this because, to be fair though, is this because you don't really pay attention anymore or read the, the you know, the, the muscle periodicals or is it just that you think that a lot of the characters and color of a lot of the former competitors is now absent from a lot of these people today? I think the characters and the color are gone. How many heroes have we had the last 30 years in sports and bodybuilding or powerlifting? Yeah. You can name them on one hand. What do you You know, that's, if I can just interject, that's, I was listening to a podcast when, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was doing an interview. This is from about two years ago, and he was saying exactly the same thing. They said, you know, do you think that Jay Cutler or any of these top pros can, you know, move the sport f- ahead like we saw, you know, in the sort of the fitness boom of the, the 70s and that kind of thing? And he said, well, it depends on their charisma and on their personalities. He said it's all about personalities. Right. It's not about, you know, just their body weight and things like that. And and I, I think we, we all agree on this podcast. You know, there does seem to be an element of that missing. I don't. Hey, Bill. Uh, you know, you, you brought Jay Cutler up. I would like to ask you, what do you think of him as a bodybuilder? As a bodybuilder, I think he's 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 phenomenal. There's no question about it. He's able to stay on top of the of the, of the sport for a long period of time. But then again, it's the overall impact. I mean, it, what he is today, but less. Will anybody remember who he is 10 years from today? Unless he does something that's definitely important for the sport or he gets out and does something other than just show off his body, he, like all these other guys, are going to be forgotten. Do you think they've taken it too far at this point? They've taken it before the normal reason for average the average person. I'll go back and i ask all three of you, if you had a son or a daughter who had to abuse himself to the extent that these people do to get the recognition due, would you would you encourage your son or daughter to do what those kids are doing or not encourage them? That's a good question. No, it is. Or would no. you want them in the sport or not out of the sport because of the abuse involved? Right. And we're right. all hardcore, mind you. I would not want my kids and my granddaughters to do this. Right. No, you know, that's funny that, that you say that, Bill, because my son is 15, okay. and although he likes to go to the gym and just, you know, lift some weights, I... um. I have never taken him to a bodybuilding contest and things like that. Just, you know, I don't know. When I grew up, I was looking at magazines where, you know, Frank Zane was on the cover. People were on the cover that seemed to be reasonable on some level, for lack of a better word, uh, attainable maybe, you know, in, in the, in the distant future, but, you know, still, uh, human. And, um, yeah, and I don't really want my son to be a part of that. So I think that's a great yardstick. For judging, I think that's a good question. And I do want to. I do want to make the point that I don't think any of us here at Iron Radio are, you know, anti-drugs per se. Um, we're, we're also not championing them, but I, I think there is a line where, as Bill's saying, you know, um, the, the amounts, the the abuse, and and some of the things that our people are using. I mean, it's a personal choice. But again, I think that's a wonderful question that Bill proposes. You know, would you would you somebody that you care about? Would you you know want them to aspire to that? Um, degree um, of what they have to do to get to that level. So, yeah. But, you know, Bill, you know, something I was thinking about a few minutes before we caught on the phone here with you, I was thinking, because the whole iron culture now has kind of splintered into, as you know, you have your, you know, physique, bodybuilding, and you have your strongman, your powerlifting, which has become Mm -hmm. such a specificity, and, of course, your Olympic weightlifting. Um, and of course, they've all kind of, uh, although they'll always be brother sister sports, you know, they have become so specific in, in you know, the people who pra- practice them and dedicate their lives to them. Um, of course, even the strongman who, you know, I mean, when that kind of first began, it was kind of a something for like retired bodybuilders and powerlifters and so forth to go do. And now there's people who, you know, train from day one to be, you yes. know, strongmen. Um, being 
who you are and the era that you come from. Um, do you think that if you were a young man today, um, of course, with the same you know zeal and excitement you have for weight training, what avenue do you think you would take? Do you think you would have stayed as a bodybuilder, or do you think you would have done more powerlifting or strongman, or do you think you would have done maybe two or three of them? Well, I did all of them anyhow. I really truly did. I was a powerlifter, and I had a strength feat that I... I've, I've, I've been 10 spikes, I've been horseshoes, I've been, and I break the chains, and I do all the things. Maybe not the amount of weight that you guys have handled, but I do do things. I had exhibitions where I was trying to emulate the old-time strongmen, such as Eugene Sandow, Eugene Sandow and the other groups, and Louis Sierra, those type of things. And I was born in the era, and most bodybuilders back then, their background was uh, was weight training from, from the three Olympic lifts. If you look at John Grimmick, you look at all these guys, part of just coming on, other than, they were all weightlifters. They weren't bodybuilders. They were weightlifters. Right. So it was an evolution. Well, that's kind of yeah, and that's evolution. Kind of, yeah, and that's kind of why I'm asking because, of course, like I say, the area you are from, <laughs> for our younger listeners who don't know, I mean, bodybuilding kind of came up, um, as as Bill's saying, from kind of a branch that kind of sprung out from weight training and, and Olympic exactly lifts right. and so forth. So that, that's why I'm asking you because, again, today it's become so specific. Now, of course, you do see you know competitive bodybuilders that do powerlifting and powerlifters that do bodybuilding and this type of thing. But certainly to get to the kind of the, you know, the upper echelons, the elite level of usually any of these sports requires such specificity towards that. And that's why I'm asking you again, like if you were a young man today, do you think, do you think that you would have been more attracted to the idea of, um, the, you know, lifting actually weights in a competitive sense or actually just doing that as the means to, to an end to be on stage as a physique artist? What I would want to do and what I did do, and I would probably do again, I emulate the heroes that I had to get me where I was or where okay. I am. Okay. And guys like John Grimmick and people prior to me, those people I idolized, perhaps like people idolized Jay Cutler or whoever it may be, and I wanted to be like those guys, period. And so whatever they did, that's what I wanted to do. Right, right. And well, I'm sure that you're the same way. I don't doubt that any of the three of you that we're talking to, you you don't have heroes that you've tried to emulate. That's all there is to it. But you've got to have a hero. Right. You a mentor. And, uh, sure. Uh, yeah. Even I, though I, you may have never met your mentor, you still have to have mentors. Right, right. No, I, I, I fully agree. And um, I, I, think the dif- I think the difference between um, guys like you and from your era, and, and certainly not all, I'm not going to paint with the same brushstroke everybody of today, but a great many of the competitors today is they don't have that background of actually just first and foremost loved love the idea and actual activity of weight training and and anything that is on top of that as far as you know walking on stage and posing or that's all kind of um just icing on the cake whereas a lot of guys today i think are kind of come at it from the opposite end of the spectrum they see the magazines and they see the you know the fitness girls with them and all this kind of thing and they glamorize that and they See the weight train as only a means to an end, and I think that's, that's exactly where a real, right. I think that's a real shame to be honest with you because it's not a lifestyle. T- it's a means. Exactly what you said. It's a lifestyle. It is not a lifestyle. It's a means to an end. And uh, yeah. some of the heroes that we're talking about, the, the three or four that have been along for the last twenty-five or thirty years, they've used it as a means to an end, and yeah. not that was not necessarily bodybuilding. It was a means to an end. Yeah, you know, just just to change tax, uh, focus here of the interview a little bit. Um, Tell us what you've been involved in lately, Bill. Um, you know, with any business ventures, or um, are you are you just content right now to, uh, as you just say, while you're hours away training and doing that type of thing, the thing that you love? No, I just finished a, 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 a several some books just recently. I had a, I wrote a trilogy on 
the legends of the iron game, and it started back in 4,500 years ago, and I bought it up to the year 2010. It was an eight-year project, and I honestly worked five or six hours per day on this project to get it done. And wow. it's, it's meeting with very good success, and uh, I've had very uh, Muscle Mag International have been very, very kind, helping us with the public. I mean, with the distribution and, and advertising and so on. Iron Man magazine has gone over backwards, and so I truly have been busy. But I'm trying to promote the sport on a positive way, just exactly like you people are. Right. Now, what's the name of the book again? Legends of the Iron Game. And where it's can uh, where can our listeners um, order that book? If you'll just look on our webpage, just www.combillpearl, you'll find it on there. And it's it, it's over a thousand pages and over 900 photographs, and it was literally a labor of love. Believe me. Well, oh, it looks cool. like I'm going to have to order one myself, and I yeah. I, I encourage our all, our listeners to go check that out. That sounds wonderful. Oh, thank you. And it's uh, it's met with really good success. It's probably other books that I've written, and I've been very very successful. I've actually written some books that have sold over a million copies, and so I've been. Very fortunate, but this is the thing I'm the most proud of, of everything that I've done to this particular point. If somebody orders one of those books, are you willing to sign it for them? I'd be glad to sign it because that's the biggest compliment they could pay me. So, if well, I'm not doing their favor; they're doing me a favor. Okay. Well, again, I encourage our listeners to go and order one of those books and have Bill sign it because uh, there's not much much more in the Iron Game that that you could want and cherish than something like that. That sounds wonderful. Well, it, it comes in a nice slip cover, and it's it's three volumes and 365 pages per volume and there's three volumes into it so it, it's it's uh it's a nice thing and something that uh i think most people have it they're going to buy it because they love the sport as we love the sport and it just gives them a better idea of where everybody that we've been talking about attempting to talk about has, has come from right right so how is your training going these days i still train five or six days per week and i i start very early in the morning at four o'clock and i i'll train to about five thirty quarter to six and and I, I do it, and I have people who have been trained with me for over 40 years and people 35 years, and it's just like an old bunch of old cars up there plugging away, but we just don't give up. Hey, if I can interject here, I actually teach a class. Um, it's an exercise physiology class, and there's an example in there. Uh, I told Rob about this a couple of weeks ago of healthy aging and what's possible. And, Bill, it's your photograph. There's a picture of you as a, a very young man. And again, as an older man, and how your physique was very similar and looked so awesome even then. Well, so I think that's that's that that is cool. And that young people they still get to see, you know, some of the benefits of, of like you said, the lifestyle. So, well, I I I won't give up. Like I say, that it's I, I make the comment that the, the hour and a half or two hours I spend in the barn, it's behind our house every day, is the only two hours I'm going to give myself each and every day that I am there. And I've, I've said it a thousand times. I'll give the world 22 hours, but I will not give it 24. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what kind of body weight do you maintain? I weigh today 227 pounds. I weigh every day and mark it on a scale. Wow, that's that's remarkable. Now, when you when you train with weights, um, do you more look at it more like an exercise type thing now, or do you actually still have aspirations and no. goals that you want to meet on specific lifts or anything like that, like reps? No, or... I'm, I'm past that stage, and, and I, I made a comment. I think I, I think the last posing exhibition I gave was at the age of 65 or 68, and around there, and I made up my mind <laughs> that I'd never go on stage again, or nor would I ever take my shirt off again in public. And so <laughs> even though it was a smart thing to do at that particular time, 
psychologically, it was probably not a smart thing to do because if that's the case, I'm not going to take my shirt off in front of everybody, and, and I don't look at my mirror in the mirror when I shave. Why bother? So it's, it's psychologically, it was not a smart thing for me to do. But sure. speaking off the stage with my shirt on was a smart thing to do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, when you, I mean, do you, um, what are the things that you've noticed that, um, I mean, I, I, this question could sound kind of obvious, but I think it, I think it can be, you know, elicit some good responses from you. Um, what things do you notice different now than even say ten, fifteen years ago in your training? Um, do you like positive or negatives? Well, okay. I think with the aging processes, there's a combination of more negative than positive. Yeah. And I think injury comes into play, and then I see everybody going out because of a shoulder injury, a knee injury, a back injury, and people who've trained for years are no longer training because of injuries and so on, and your recovery power just is not there. And what used to work for you no longer continues to work. I, I get phone calls from people all the time, Bill, what can I do for this, this, and this? And I said, well, when you find the answer for these questions, you please call them and tell me because I do not have them. Right. Right. Are there, are there things that you just don't do anymore, specific movements that you just don't do anymore? Well, yes. I don't do 500-pound deadlifts. That's for sure. <laughs> do you still deadlift? I, I deadlift, but I do it as, as just another form of exercise, and I sure. keep my repetitions to 10 or 12 repetitions. But if I'm handling two and a quarter and so on and it feels good, I'll just put the bar down and I'll wait for the following day. That's it. Right, mm-hmm. right. Is there anything that you wish you still could do that you don't not even necessarily poundage wise but is there is there is there anything probably, that you yes probably more that? leg work than i i'm not i'm currently having some knee problems and so on which okay. limits my leg work and i think if a person doesn't take the time to work their legs they're virtually wasting half of the time in the gym so well uh, yeah I, well, I, because it's the size of the muscle group and and so on and if you're doing heavy leg work you're everything else you're doing is heavy as well and if you back off on your legs you're going to back off on the rest of your body well, you know, there's a lot of truth to that, and again, I can't talk from the scientific background like um, our Lonnie here can, but um, certainly Lonnie and I have discussed that. It seems as people age, the first thing to go seems to be the legs, yes. certainly as far as muscle mass and that type of thing, um, which is, and again, I know Lonnie can interpret if he wants here because we have discussed this, but it does seem to be that way, and it, which places, which also re-emphasizes exactly what you're saying, where um, lower body training, if you can do it, you know, with you know, without damaging yourself, certainly is very, very important because obviously, the, yeah, the more strength and the more muscle ha- mass you have down there as you enter into your later years, certainly the better off you're going to be. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, I think we all agree on that one. Right. Even even with the the natural uh, loss of uh, muscle tissue, it's called sarcopenia of aging. But uh, I think Bill hit on it. It's really injury prevention, right? I mean, if you can keep your knees running, working smooth and your lower back is feeling good and that kind of stuff, I got to think you're way ahead of the game. I mean, even what's in the Eddie Cohn used to say, the number one thing I try to do is avoid injuries. I yes. mean, if there was one, there was one thing, it's avoid those injuries because they'll just shut you down. Yeah. And like Bill said, when you get older, um, you know, here's me in my mid forties. So I'm, I'm still uh, comparatively young, but I, st- I'm already noticing a little bit of, on the rec- recovery side. It's just not quite as fast as it once was. You know, you can't get away with foolishness quite as much and, and, you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah, and, and sadly, avoid those you're talking as you're growing older too, when this takes place that we're talking about, y- your activity during the rest of the day also diminishes as well. Mm-hmm. And so you find yourself sitting more than you used to. Not okay. taking on the projects that you probably should have done or wanted to do because of whatever it may be, you, you just become more lethargic, and I think it's a very, very dangerous thing to do. 
Right. Yeah, it becomes sort of a vicious circle, doesn't it? That you're, you're, you're a little less active, so then you lose a little bit of muscle mass. And then since you have less muscle mass, it's harder to be active. And yeah, you gotta, you gotta fight that sort of thing. Now, you've never really suffered a catastrophic injury, have you, Bill? No, I've been very, very fortunate, but I've, I've tried to, I've always tried to work around the injury, but never through an injury. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hit my head against the wall and keep banging my head against the wall. I think it's probably not a bad, bad idea to back up a little teeny bit and try to go around the wall rather than through the wall. <laughs> right. But right. I've, I've had to learn that the hard way as well. Now, what do you attribute that to? Again, for a guy who's been, you know, pounding the iron for so, so many years, what do you attribute that to? Do you think that's largely um, that you're just, you know, a hardy, sturdy individual from genetics? Or do you think that has to do with, again, having that margin of um, maturity as far as, like, what, exactly what you're saying, where you, you, when you notice um, an issue that might be coming up, you don't go through it, as you say, but you kind of work around it? I think what you're saying is true, but I also feel it's attitude. That if you if you make up your mind, you're going to continue to do something. Come hell or high water, uh, I always have the idea: leave something in the gym today that you can do a little bit more the next day. I mean, I don't think it's a good idea for all of us to go into a health club every day and train to your maximum effort and give everything you have that day, because the following day you've got to do the same or more. But it gets to the point where you just can no longer do more. So yeah. you've got to become a little more sensible. I think. I, but I it's think attitude. That- Right. You've got to have a positive attitude as to what you're doing and make darn sure that you're not wasting your time, but you're spending some quality time on yourself. I think what you're saying is actually being um, reworking its way into kind of a, the idea in a lot of weight training these days, because I think we went through in the, you know, the certainly the later 70s, 80s, and 90s, this kind of attitude, certainly bodybuilding, um, where it was kind of like, you know, go for broke, um, you know, give it all you got, walk out of the gym, be completely smashed. Uh, but then you had guys like Lee Haney that, um, you know, used to say his quote was always stimulate, don't annihilate, which lends itself to what you're saying. And I think you're seeing that a lot more, certainly with uh, the advent of more um, kind of scientific avenues of strength training, entering into athletics and people saying things like, you know, don't go into the gym and, um, you know, train yourself not to fail with certain lifts and repetitions and this type of thing. So, you know, don't go 100 percent, you know, let, I mean, all of us once in a while like to, you know, as I say, get the let out and go in and just yeah. go nuts. I mean, every once in a while, everybody, you know, sure. guys like us like to do that. But I think more often than not, it's probably a good idea. Yeah, like if you, if, you know, stop the stop the set, you know, one or two reps um, away from complete failure. Well, sadly, in my particular case, because I've always played the sport at the high end of the sport. I mean, I, I look at it as, as climbing a ladder. Some people play it at the middle of the ladder, sometimes at the bottom of the ladder, sometimes at the top of the ladder. But when you've been at the top of the ladder for years and years and years, you know you have no place else to go. You can't go any further. And with the aging process and things evolve, you've got no choice to come down that ladder because when everything goes up, something has got to come down. And the human body is exactly the same. It hasn't changed. Right. What do you think of all this stuff, Lonnie, from from your um, scientific background of this type of thing and, I guess, you know, nervous system... uh, replenishment that kind of thing well i can uh, the one thing that came to mind i'll just say this briefly and then we'll we'll take a little uh break for some public service messages but is there's a researcher named andy fry and he oh he purposely gets young men into overtraining status um and what they do is this now this seems brutal but if you think about our uh, the way we work out it's not that far-fetched he has them do um 10 max lift so 10 one rep max wow lifts in the bench press every day for a week 
10 a day, every day. And by the end of that period, they are so burnt, you know, their strength is way down. They can't activate their nervous system. You know, they you can see markers of damage in their blood, different enzymes spilling out of their muscles and whatnot. And, but, you know, so that seems absurd. Like who could do 10 one repetition maximums every day? Uh, but if you think about the way a lot of people lift, and especially the way the word hardcore sometimes gets twisted around, um, you know, it's not that far-fetched. And it might not be an exactly the same lift. It might not be all in the bench press or the squat. But, you know, I think some people do push that envelope by doing many sets to failure. You know, if you're doing 10 sets to failure, you're pushing that envelope but what probably. Would, what would be the benefit of him taking a, a student and doing that? What is the benefit for the student, may I ask? Oh well, I, I don't know if the, if I don't know if they paid those guys or what, but that, it, it, that was purely you know research okay. level stuff. They they were actually defining that that there's different kinds of overtraining. I think the probably the coolest thing that came out of that was that those guys have what's called sympathetic overtraining, and he, basically he's saying that uh, people who train with weights to the point that they overtrain, they end up with high background levels of adrenaline all the time. It's almost like their hormonal system can't cool down. And that's sort of the opposite of the kind of volume style overtraining that runners get, which is more like an exhaustion and they lose adrenaline levels and they lose the ability to do a lot of this stuff. So right. uh, it, it was kind of neat to see all I that. I would think the thing that would scare me on what you're talking here is the fact that you're going to run that person out of the gym. If they'd gone there and ended up with a, an unhappy uh, failing 10 times in a row or maximum 10 times in a row and failing and they do this over and over again i don't think of anything at all why that guy would want to continue to go back to the gym and try to stay healthy right yeah. well no right and that's right bill i mean this was i mean and again i'm thinking about a particular study and i don't have a, the quote here in front of me because rob just pulled this on me but um <laughs> but these guys knew that they were in an overtraining study you know they knew that they were going to be extended beyond you know their recovery ability and I think most of these guys were probably, hopefully they weren't novice lifters that, yeah, just become, you know, um, I don't know. Uh, no. I made ruined. a comment I, oh, I might share no. with you just so long as, as we're talking about this thing. I make a comment, or I've made a comment several times. If you're at an exercise program, that's too, well, you cannot continue an exercise program as you're doing today, every day, from now on out until the day you die. It's probably no sense of doing this because you're going to stop it. And if you're training twice a week or twice a day or you're training three or four days a week or whatever it may be or twice a day or whatever it may be and you know that it's physically and psychologically not capable, you're capable of doing it, why put yourself through it? Because it's going to run you out of there because if you can spend three or four or five hours of your time each week in the gym, that's for yourself, do something that you know you can physically and psychologically do until the day you die. Yeah, maintainable. Oh, there yeah. you go. That's the beautiful word right there, yes. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I, I think one of the best things that came out of some of that overtraining research was that they sort of defined uh, the envelope. You know, people like to push an envelope. Well, you got to know where the envelope begins and ends. And I think they're saying, listen, 10 maxes, that's crossing the line. You've torn the envelope. <laughs> you know, so at least yeah. they kind of spell it out for you. Well, I think you're right, Rob, that, I mean, it's becoming gladly, I mean, especially in the athletic realm, there's more and more pre people preaching just back off and, and backing off to get stronger. Right. Um, I've seen it time and time again, people getting them back off, and, and once you finally do, and don't get them pushing that envelope all the time, their their strength goes up, and you know you get them on the platform, and they're actually doing better from from doing less. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, we, Phil, you were talking about uh, local uh, experiences lately. Uh, right along the same thing, I've been 
training twice a day, and I know it's not maintainable, Bill, <laughs> but I'm trying to get ready for a competition. Paper and, and uh, you know, it's it, this is planned sort of 20-week thing for me, but the, the point being is uh, I took three days off, and I almost slept the entire time. Okay. And, you know, normal people don't do that, but... I I ate and slept for you know a couple of days in a row, and I came back and I can't tell you. I mean, four oh five in the squat felt like it was two and a quarter, and I'm like, you know, it's just it was amazing to me how my nervous system just wanted to work with me instead of against me. So yeah, you can really feel this. Well, I think the last the comment I made is if if you have a specific goal in mind and you have a date that you've got to do something, that's one thing. It's like cramming for a test in college or whatever, maybe or save for an automobile, whatever maybe, that's fine. But to trying to maintain what you're doing from here on out for no reason other than the fact that trying to maintain this, it's like you're going to burn yourself out and you will not continue on. Something's got to go, and it's usually your time in the gym. Yeah, so, good advice. Yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, guys, let's just take a brief break here just for a, a few uh, announcements, and then we'll come right back and we'll do the topic of the day. Fortress, what is best in life? If you need a break from listening to these barbarians and you want to read something intellectual, check out the library at www.ironradio.org. The feature article this month is about a conference that took place in Canada, an exercise physiology conference where the researchers were literally trying to answer questions like the optimal number of sets and intensity for maximal protein synthesis and muscle growth. There's other juicy material there like the effects of cortisol and adding more fat cells to your physique over time, how women recover better than men, and tons more. So if you're interested in reading as well as listening, check out www.ironradio.org and our article library. Thanks. This is Rob Fortress Fortney, and I'm here to let listeners know about the upcoming Strength Workshop, co-hosted by Iron Radio in Las Vegas, Nevada, this coming June. Stay tuned for details. Simply listen to www.ironradio.org, also on iTunes, and check out the site as well. Hope to see you in Vegas, where some of the industry's smartest and strongest guys will be waiting to talk shop with you. Welcome back, Iron Radio listeners. We're here with the legendary Bill Pearl as our guest, um, and we're now at the uh, topic of the day. And uh, actually, Lonnie came up with this one and I think it's actually quite clever he was asking uh, because we have Bill on the show today um, perceptions of bodybuilders powerlifters strongmen because I mean to the general public and I mean certainly Bill um, you know his his peak competitive years was right through these years where you know guys who had you know an overabundance of muscle and so forth were probably looked upon as freaks out in general you know society and what are you doing to yourself and this type of thing? And certainly that whole thing kind of continues to this day to an extent, so we, we can imagine how, how much it must have been back in Bill's, you know, day as a competitive lifter, um, bodybuilder. So, yeah, that's the topic of the day, just kind of, Bill, um, you know, what were your experiences as a young man doing this at the time, kind of kind of freaky, weird, you know, athletic endeavor? It, 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 it was exactly what you said. I was just talking to some friends that I trained with the other day in the gym, 
I guess it was two or three days ago, and, and I mentioned I'd given an exhibition in a small town in, in Oregon back in the 1960s and so on, and I was at a local theater, and when the, my competition, my bodybuilding exhibition was over and my strength feats and stuff were over, I, I was out in the lobby standing there, and a little girl came up and started poking at me, and she looked up at her mother, and she says, can this talk? So <laughs> it, it's just a comment that, uh, you know, it, it was to the, even then it was to the point where a little kid thought you were no longer a human, that you were something weird from another country or another planet and so on, and they could not comprehend what was taking place. And I right. think it's probably worse today than it was then. And that oh, was 35 okay. or 40 years ago. Wait, that, now, that's interesting. That's interesting. Now, did you try to downplay your physique in public um, consciously or not really? You just went about your business and began what you thought. I've always looked at my bodybuilding career, my competitive bodybuilding career, as a job or a business, and I was—I never, ever—I always let someone else, such as you, nice people, talk about me rather than me talking about me. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's—it's—and uh, and you're going to expound a great deal more on me than I'm going to expound on me. And so, if I just have enough brains to keep my mouth shut and just listen, and, and have you guys help me out, I'm going to come out ahead. Period. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's very, very important. I really, truly do. Well, I certainly think that, uh, you know, um, your generation of bodybuilder, um, the community was very fortunate to have a guy like you as a spokesperson because I think, you know, um, back then certainly, I mean, today it's, you know, it, the myth of the kind of the dumb meatball muscle builder. Um, I mean, that's, yeah. that, that, that thing still persists, as you say. Um, so I, certainly when, and, and, you know, with guys like Lonnie and so forth, I mean, he's a competitive bodybuilder and so forth, but he's, you know, so educated and so forth. I've always said that. Um, not to kiss his butt or anything, but, you know, guys like that are so important within the realm of what we do because, you know, the, the first impression for a lot of people who don't engage in what we do is, oh, the dumb meatball bodybuilder mm-hmm. that, you know, um, and, and then once, you know, guys like us open our mouths, they see that, you know, we're not raging idiots and, you know, we are educated, we are educated and we have, you know, we, um, have a brain, um, because, you know, I, I'm one of the ma- mantras of, of us here at Iron Radio, I think, is, you know, strong body, strong mind. Um, mm-hmm. You know, those two things together are, are a killer combination. And I, I think back in your day, um, certainly when you would open your mouth and present yourself as such a, you know, a, a well-spoken um, person, I think that you really, really went a long way to helping a lot of people who were not, were not exposed to that understand that, you know, there is something behind the, <laughs> the madness of lifting all these weights. Yes, there is, and I. But it, it's it's a. Uh, um, I I think it's becoming sadly again, uh, in some respects, back to almost a cult type of a thing as it was, back in the 40s and 50s and so on. I I think that the sport of bodybuilding and and all of these lifts uh, content, excuse me, competitions you're talking about, is probably not on the rise. I think that fitness is on the rise because of the health aspects, but because the way that the sport has been presented with the, the amount of drugs and stuff involved in it and. Uh, to the point where people just no longer can comprehend it. I truly think it's sad. Yeah. Right. I agree. Right. Yeah. yeah. If I can follow up, Rob, um, you were talking about sort of one of the critiques I think that society has of uh, muscle men or, you know, even women who weight train is, you know, well, if you have a fantastic body, you must not have uh, a fantastic brain. And I just wanted to read you a quick quote. Um, one of our co-hosts here, uh, John Mike, sent me this article from the Chronicle of Higher Education, which is sort of the um, official magazine of you know academia in a way. 
and it's called Bodybuilding Professors Outmuscle the Stereotype. And it, it, they highlight this one woman, Melina Bell, who is a female bodybuilder. She's also a philosophy professor. But I just wanted to read one of the quotes. There's maybe half a dozen quotes after the article of, uh, you know, these different learned people making comments. And some of this I don't totally disagree with, but some of this will probably, you know, raise your ire a little bit, all, all of you guys. It says, she's talking about the balance, <clears throat> mind-body balance, and he says, um, ironic that Miss Bell would justify what she does with this bodybuilding as balanced. There isn't anything balanced about what she's done to her body, judging from her picture. She looks barely human in that pose or costume. And yes, I would say the same about extreme male bodybuilders. And if it's so inherently healthy, why the need for the artificial makeup euphemistically referred to in the article as self-tanning lotion? There's a world of difference between lifting weights and such to promote general health and strength for functional reasons, like for your job, and deliberately sculpting individual muscles to produce an aesthetic effect. It reminds me of the bizarre things done in dog breeding, like smashed-in pug noses and the like, to produce what a very narrow cultural sect finds aesthetically desirable. Mm. So, That's very interesting. You know, and in some respects, I think she's probably that, that's a very good article. I hate to tell you this, but I think it's very true. Some yeah, there, there are some there are some truths in there, and at the same time, you can see the, you can kind of see that you know the, the perception that this particular professor, whoever it is, has of, of bodybuilders. How bizarre it is yes. that that he he thinks you know individual muscle sculpting. If you're not doing it for your job, you know why would you do that? It's like dog breed that kind of stuff. You know, and, I, and, and, sorry, go ahead. I, I think it's, I'm sorry. I think another thing that should be in consideration here is. Is your self-image. I mean, some people just aren't 100% satisfied with themselves, and everybody is craving attention. We see it in our ads today. We see it on television, whatever it may be. Uh, and the sexual connotation that everything is taking place today. And I think, with all true sincerity, that in the United States and throughout the world, there's a moral decline. And with a moral decline comes about and continues on, such as it has, you're going to have more bizarre people out there doing bizarre things for attention and only attention, period. And I think a lot of people who are bodybuilders and so on love to get on stage and pose just hour after hour after hour. They have some problems. I mean, psychological problems. They're looking for attention. Yeah. And uh, this is one way of getting this, but that, that particular type of attention. Right. Well, Bill, I, if I can ask you, how does that differ from what you and your sort of peers did? It doesn't. It hasn't, it hasn't differed. I'm not trying to put myself in a different category than these guys. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm, okay. No, I, I'm not doing that, period. And I think that I've seen it time and time again. Some people could, could just control it a little bit better than others. But right. it's been there since all the time I've been in the industry. I've been weight training steadily for the last 69 years, and I can tell you it hasn't changed. Yeah. Well, I, I would say, I, I think I kind of agree with you. I think society as a whole, it's gotten worse, though. And I've spoken yeah. about this lately. I mean, now, maybe this decade and definitely today, is the first time in the world, in the, the history of the world probably, that uh, you know you are, number one, y your, your value is on your appearance. Okay. Through most of the people. I mean, most of the rich people in the world, the people making it, are, are simply good-looking above anything else and championed for that. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, that's, yeah, plastic I mean, surgery. You look and, at yeah. the Hilton, Paris Hilton, and all that. I mean, they have nothing to offer but a pretty smile. Okay. <laughs> they have millions and millions of dollars, and they're championed. Yeah. Nothing to offer. Mm -hmm. It's hard. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> 
Well, you know, and, and but I think that this kind of you know takes us full circle to kind of what Bill and I were kind of trading off with you know forty five minutes ago, but the whole concept of you know recognizing within oneself, you know, what is your motivation for this, you know, and coming to kind of a purity of thought of you know, am I doing this for reasons that are going to be you know um, um, that that's going to nourish me, you know, emotionally, intellectually, and physically in a way that's going to be, you know, um, it maybe positively affect the people around me, uh, to say nothing again of, of yourself and what it does for you, versus people again who are just chasing attention through any means, you know, necessary, like you say, uh, whether it be plastic surgery or, like Bill says, you know, just um, doing the weight training as a means to an end to go on stage and kind of just, you know, look at me, look at me, look at me kind of a thing. Um, look at Bill. I mean, Bill's, you know, <laughs> many decades now past when he stood on stage as a competitor, but he still goes out and does his weight training. And I think that speaks volumes for... Um, oh, it does. Uh, you know, I mean, the fact that, you know, here, here's a guy that, you know, was in it for all the quote-unquote right reasons, right? And he, he realized the purity of why he liked doing what he was doing, and it wasn't just to get attention. Um, and I think there's that scale, in, certainly in bodybuilding, since that's what we're talking about specifically right now, probably. Um, there's that, you know, scale that's kind of you know you have on the one side you have the bodybuilders who are solely in it for the you know aesthetic and for again to look at me I want to go on the cover I want all this kind of stuff and then there's guys on the other end of the scale who are like you know hey you know what I go on stage because I like to just um it's kind of like a a moment in time for me to kind of say hey look what I you know look what I've been spending my time doing but it's not the be yeah. all end all and I think that's always going to be I mean if you go and Again, I've been in the bodybuilding game for so long and interviewed so many professional bodybuilders and so forth. And I can say that there's there's always going to be that margin of people that are on both sides of the scale. You know, the people who are in it for the – and again, this is kind of taking the high road and makes me sound kind of arrogant. But the people who are in it for the quote-unquote right reasons and the people that you just kind of know after you get to know them a little bit, somewhere down the line, something's going to go awry because it's like – as Bill says, you, they can't maintain this, and they're in it kind of for the wrong reasons, and it's not nourishing them as people, intellectually or emotionally, and they're going to crash and burn at some point. because yeah. they. I like the word nourishing, Rob. Hey, didn't you say that – was it Flex Wheeler or there was some pro from the last 10-year period who he would boast that as soon as I can't make money at this or I'm not competing, I'm never going to touch another weight or yeah, something Yeah, no, that like was actually Flex Wheeler, and and – as it stands, he does train once in a while, but I mean, but his but the, the, look at the, the health problems that he has gone through, yes. uh, from how much money he's made and what he's going to make, and the rest of the quality of his life from here on out. If you judge all this together, I I got a feeling that uh, maybe Flex Wheeler didn't come out ahead, you guys. No, well, I no, agree. And, you know, I, and I don't like to make any comment on him as a person. I mean, I got my no, own. No, 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 he's but, a very nice guy. Yeah, like I don't want to comment on that too much, but. Um, Certainly, yes, as a bodybuilder. I mean, in fact, I read a thread not too long ago on a muscle uh, a bodybuilding board that was talking about, you know, look at, you know, in the year 2011, how many of these young enthusiasts that are picking up Flex Magazine even really kind of know about Flex Wheeler? I mean, and... They don't. Yeah, and it's not... I mean, that's horrible because at his prime, he was he was truly a specimen. Um, but, I mean, I make a comment. The only thing that Flex Wheeler had to offer was his physique. If the guy had written some books or he'd worked on a bunch of youths or so on, doing what you people are doing to expand his knowledge and help other people out, he could live his life through these other people if he so desired. Mm. I hope I can make sense, but I don't doubt that there isn't a day 
all three of you get a phone call from somebody you've worked with down the line that's thanking you for the time and effort you've spent with them, and that's the biggest reward that I can be paid and probably one of the biggest rewards that you people can be paid. Yeah, I, it's, it's I, 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 I mean, you know, and, and, I mean, just to go to this show directly, it's the only reason we do this. Well, there again, I mean, if, <laughs> but I, yeah. I can tell you, with all true sincerity, as you're going along the line, yeah. I will tell you there isn't probably a day go by that you're not going to get an email from somebody thanking you for what you're doing, and that is the payday right there, in my opinion. Exactly. Money well, if I can flip, let me, if I can flip that back around, one of the things that we do is, you know, bring the attention of young guys. To people like you, Bill. I mean, people who, who I really think it's exactly your kind of message that a lot of these young guys need. Or even, you know, even middle-aged guys, you know, people that are our age is, you know, we do need heroes. We need people that are honorable and respectable that we can look up to, not somebody who's just offering a physique, like you said. So. Well, you know, one of the things I remember when I first started at Muscle Mag, and I've told the story before, I mean, you know, I was so excited. I was young. I was 20. 23, whatever it was, and I was so excited. You know, I remember any time somebody would call on the phone, a professional or so forth, and I, you know, just like a young guy, I, green, you know, didn't really know anything. I was so excited. I remember Bob telling me, you know, just wait, you know, wait, wait a year or two dealing with a lot of these guys, and and it's gonna, you know, open your eyes, and and in a, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes it is dangerous to meet your heroes, you know, and. Um, so many of the guys that I was so enamored with back in the day, uh, and again, I'm not going to name names at all, but, you know, I, I'm just not at all anymore. And, you know, that's that's why, again, like Lonnie's saying for, with you, Bill, I mean, it's, you know, there's there's that small contingent of guys that, you you, you know, when, when you're, you're in the industry like we are, you weed them out. And you're like, you know, okay, here's a guy that genuinely we can look up to, you know. Right, lives up to the image, you know, right, that you just, had in your he's mind. He's not just the yeah. body, he's not just the title, he's not just the cover, he's actually, like, like to use your word, Lonnie, he's an honorable guy, he's well-spoken, and, you know, and and he lives his life with with character and integrity. And, and, but it's sad because there's so few people, and that's why we can't let people forget, you know, where we've been and the good people that have brought us to where we are. Yes. Um, and, you know, like, as far as Bill's saying, you know, it's, you know, it's maybe on the decline or it's going back underground and so forth. I think that's true to a large degree, but I think it's up to, again, guys like us to, to champion the fact that, hey, you know what? In this, in this maybe dark and dirty business that it's become, there is shining lights out there of people that do do it for the, you know, again, quote unquote, right no reasons. Sure. You know, and, sure. and they, and they do it, um, for the love of it, you know, like you're in the gym and you, you know, I mean, I was just helping some kid in the gym last night, you know, and I was saying, you know, I had talked to him the last several times, and I, w- I actually said to him, you know, have I have I helped you to be- become a better lifter? And, and he's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And I said, you know, people helped me when I was his age. You okay. know, and, and, and this is by no means suggesting that I know everything. I learn new things every day. But, you know, I think it's one of those things where you have to pass it along, and, and good information needs to be passed along. You know, and, and sometimes good information in this day and age of information overload is sometimes hard to come by. So, it's hard to find. Right. Yeah, well, it's probably there, but it's so hard to I think, find. I think we're looking for is just common sense information. It doesn't have to be anything philosophical, but it should be common sense that people can, can understand. And, and, and I also think that it's very important for us, if we're going to talk as we have today, to be that type of a role model. And, and, and you know, I've said a thousand times, if I can walk down the street and I see three or four people coming toward me, I can make eye contact and I smile. And these three people smile back, who won? Right. I smiled one time. I got three smiles back. <laughs> I won. And, right. and but you you control you can control people or, or make yourself more 
happy by yeah. just smiling and telling people hello and don't just take the time to open a door for somebody and look at the shock on their face. They about flip. They don't understand it anymore. And yeah. it's, it's really, truly sad. I, I've come to a conclusion that the world is becoming extremely lonely for a whole lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Seems ironic, but yeah. It is. I mean, the first time I ever met you, Bill, I remember, I mean, you know, you, you practice what you preach. I'm just telling our readers right that, and this is one of the reasons why you've been elevated in my mind so much. I mean, you. you are genuinely are a person who's approachable, you're warm, you're friendly with everybody, and you treat everybody with respect. And this is the kind of thing that, for our young listeners out there, if you know, if you have your sights set on becoming a public figure in some manner, whether it be powerlifting, bodybuilding, whatever, or you just want to get into the media of fitness and so forth, it really, really does. I, I think you have to take the onus on yourself to present yourself as a person with integrity and honor. And it's the only way we're going to, again, shine a brighter light on what it is that we do. So, Right. Back back to the topic we were saying, you know, which is you know, how people perceive us. Imagine if you are a, a heavily muscled person and, you know, you do stand out because of that, but you are getting that door for someone, you know, or you are smiling as you walk down the street instead of trying to be some kind of tough guy. Uh, you know, all it does is enhance the whole image. I mean, it, like you said, it shines the light, especially if, if we see bodybuilders becoming more of a cult thing and it, with it getting divorced a little bit from general fitness. Um, Boy, we, we need some good examples out there so people don't either look at you in a sense of either fear or that you're cocky or arrogant or something like that because not everybody who's heavily muscled is like that. No, That's well, who if, I mean, another little comment. If, if a person can be a part of successful, everybody wants to be a part of success regardless of what the success is. And, and so if you've lived your life and been relatively successful and you can be kind to other people, they're going to share that success with you, but they're going to just continue to shine a bigger light on you. You, we win every time in a situation such as that. I really truly mean that with all sincerity. You know, I I wanted to share one thing. I know we don't have a ton of time left, and I, maybe Rob and Phil want to share a story too. But the one thing that I remember was not unlike your story, Bill, where when I was in grad school, um, we were doing a, a, a osteoporosis study. We we're trying to help these very old women. They were seventy-five to ninety-five years of age. And, and at the time, uh, you know, I was bulking up. I, I, I was, I've never been huge, right? But I was about 220 pounds. And I remember one of the little old ladies says to my uh, professor advisor, she says, what's wrong with that young man? And I could overhear her saying it. And she said, what, what do you mean? She said, well, he's bumpy. <laughs> and to this day, my, my wife laughs about that, that I'm bumpy. Um, but, you know, at the same time, what are we doing there? You know? Here's me and one or two other grads, you know, grad school buddies of mine. We're kind of bodybuilder guys and we're, we're, we're in the weight room doing pull downs with 80 year old women, you know, and they were having a blast. And honestly, they got very, very strong, kind of amazingly strong. In fact, it's amazing to see an 85 year old woman doing push ups that not on her knees, you know, push ups. And, but anyway, that, that's, that was my one story that, that I was thinking about was that, you know, you can be uh, a little bit, uh, uh, Maybe even odd looking or stand off, you know, stand out in some way, but, um, it doesn't have to mean that you're, it's a negative thing. No, no, oh, no. I mean, with me, it was, uh, in my heart, it, it was nothing but an aid when I would, when I would do one of my shows or, or sit at the gallery I was a, a co-owner in. Um, it, it, it actually helped me because I, it helped me stand out in the art field and it helped me stand out when I was going in and getting my master's degree in teaching and, um, 
because they were just amazed. They'd come and view my art, and then well, they'd walk up to me and say, "Who who did this?" And well, it'd be, <laughs> no way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'd get it on both ends. Then you know that I'd go do a strongman competition or a powerlifting meet and tell people that, oh, yeah, check out my website. I, I'm a match for three art. And that, that's, that that's they were amazed. So I got amazement on both ends. So it was kind of good, a, a good thing. Right. Well, you know, I think this has been a wonderful show, and I, I, certainly we're again honored to have had Bill on the show with us. Um, what, what is your website again, Bill? So people can go and it's uh, check. It's www.dotcombillpearl. Uh, it's this small b, small p. It's very simple, and oh. uh, uh, it, it's well, just a very that. small business. My wife and I, we run the place ourselves, and. and uh, uh, when we get tired, we just close shop and go home. So we're pretty good shape. We're all right. <laughs> well, you, well, you got three customers here. I'm, I'm well, getting your book. You no, I'm, to, I'm totally going to go and order that book. Yeah. But um, yeah, people, check them out. And again, um, you know, keep keep the you know these champions and legends of yesteryear alive in the minds of the young folks, and you know, teach teach them to do things with the right motivations, and right. and to as Bill says, smile. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I got one more for you. Um, okay. I will just urge everybody to go to www.strengthguild.com, and Bill Pearl is going to be nice enough to do a Q&A. So oh. if you go ask questions, then I will be calling Bill, and we will be going over your questions. So wow. I'm looking forward That's to That's awesome. That's great. Okay, Yeah, Bill. we need to spread the word. What could be more necessary, yeah, right? Go. All right. Well, thank you very much for the... The, the interview. I've really, truly enjoyed this, and and like I say, uh, I'll walk out the door because of you three people smiling, and that's the <laughs> biggest reward I get for the day, and it doesn't cost a dime. So thank you, yeah. sir. All right, thank you. You guys thank all have you. a great day, and thank you for your time. You okay, too. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you Bill. For the best sports nutrition information on the planet, make plans to attend the 8th Annual ISSN Conference and Expo, June 23rd to 25th, 2011, at the Westin Las Vegas Hotel, Casino, and Spa. We'll have the latest on creatine, beta-alanine, protein, nutrient timing, and much, much more. So, for more information, go to www.theissn.org. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like Iron Radio, if you like what we do, uh, the education, interviewing uh, industry personalities, or many of the pro bodybuilders or coaches that we've had in the past, uh, please just click on the donate button at www.ironradio.org and make a donation. We've had some great donations from people that have kept us going. Thank you so much. Uh, so please visit uh, the website, click on the donation button, or if you like, uh, and it's a similar situation, Buy some Iron Radio cool stuff. We've got T-shirts and mugs and things like that, and those things help support the site and keep us on the air. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.